sqpn.com presents The Secrets of the Hobbit. There and back again. A Hobbit's Tale by Bilbo Baggins. Where to begin? Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Secrets of the Hobbit, your favorite podcast, at least our favorite podcast about the upcoming Hobbit movie, the last one, the third one. And who would have known that such a simple children's book would 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 blossom into these three epic movies and the most epic one is probably ahead of us. And uh, today we are going to talk about the official theatrical trailer. We've talked about the teaser trailer before but now we have the full trailer and joining me as always are my good friends Riley and Bethany Blanton. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Thanks for having us. Yes, indeed. Looking forward to talking about the trailer. This is a it's an epic endeavor in itself to talk about this trailer because just like in the previous trailers, the the, the previous years that we've done this exercise, there is so much. There are so many glimpses and and tantalizing uh, scenes that we that, that make us think and and of course we do know the the general gist of the story but what we don't know is how uh, Peter Jackson has taken the the basis of this story and then spins it out into you know this this big long movie that not only will have a theatrical release but will also have a later on a, a blu-ray and DVD release with an even more expanded version and uh, it's it's intriguing to see what how he's doing that of course there's a lot of debate on the merits of this of this um, amplification as it were of the of the original story of the Hobbit but you know what? That's another discussion. What we're going to talk about today is the trailer. And, well, let's listen to the sound of the trailer and put us in the mood first. Thorin, you gave a promise. You brought upon them only ruin and death. You've won the mountain. Is that not enough? something of mine. This was the last move in a master plan. A plan long in the making. These bats are bred for one purpose. For war. Leave Sauron to me. See what you have become. Everything I did, I did for them. You started this. You will forgive me if I finish it. When faced with death, what can anyone do? I will not hide. While others fight our battles for us! Hmm. 
but one question to answer. How shall this day end? Hobbit, the Battle of the Five Armies, December 17. It's almost there. And uh, this is a trailer uh, that takes about 2 minutes and 33 seconds. But there is so much in this trailer that I think we could easily fill an hour with it, if not more. <laughs> Indeed. So good. It's, without a doubt, I, I think this is, with the exception of the, the first Hobbit teaser... This is my favorite trailer of all the various Hobbit trailers they've released so far. What do you like most about this one? There's a moment right towards the end where it says, where the music just comes to a crescendo and it says, you know, the finale, the final chapter of the Middle Earth saga. And I was just at that point, it, it kind of hits you at just how... And I love the way they, they've been using this in the marketing material, but how this is the defining chapter of the Middle-Earth legend. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that approach to it. And, and, and that's, that was my favorite part, for sure. What about you, Bethany? First you know, impressions of this trailer when you first saw it? My impression of this trailer is that there's, there's a lot at stake. I mean, we know from the Lord of the Rings that things at least turn out somewhat fine. And if we've read the book, you know, we, we know how it ends in the book. But there's, there's a lot at stake in this trailer, you can tell. And, and the trailer does a very good job of portraying what's going on in Middle-earth. You know, you have, the, you have Gandalf and Saruman being involved. You have the elves and the dwarves' involvement. And it's, it's a, I, I guess it, it does seem like it will lead up really well to the Lord of the Rings films. I was struck by the, the, the contrast between the music in this trailer and the imagery and there is this this both a musical and a visual crescendo it starts off kind of slow and and moody and then it just grows and it grows and it grows and it grows and there i've never seen a trailer like this you're normally it's immediately let's jump straight into the action like what we saw in the teaser trailer and now you get this ongoing like this is getting bigger and worse and bigger and even worse and um i i actually it's it's something that that I expected Peter Jackson to do, and on the other hand, I've got a bit of an ambivalent feeling towards this. Like, where is Bilbo in all this? Where is the simplicity of the Shire? We see nothing of the way the book ends, and this seems to be a big illustration of the title, the new title of this third movie, which used to be, I think, there and back again, and now so, it's, it's the, the battle. This is the battle, and, and that's all we see. In fact, it was it. I think it was the Hollywood Reporter that came out a couple of weeks ago from an interview with Peter Jackson um, that this was going to be, I think, a forty-five minute battle in battle sequence. Yes, that's what I heard too. I mean, just like, wow, that's really long. And then the other part of me was like, man, that's going to be amazing. <laughs> yes, I, I definitely feel that as well, Father, because that that was one of my thoughts through the trailer of we, you know, we we feel like we've not only figuratively left the Shire behind, uh, or literally, I should say, with the travels that Bilbo takes, but also figuratively, we don't see the simplicity and the beauty of the hobbits and the Shire and yeah. their, their sort of honest way of living. But Peter Jackson has 
I mean, he's done this before in Lord of the Rings. The Return of the King definitely has a ton of battle sequences in it. But in the end, it goes back to the Shire. It, it goes back to yes. the simplicity and the beauty. I mean, I, I, I understand why in this trailer you have to position the Battle of the Five Armies and why that is even relevant. And because it's... It, if if people remember just vaguely the story of the Hobbit and they know that it's about a mountain and a dragon and then there's a little bit of fighting and but you know Bilbo's is unconscious for most of the battle and then he goes home you know that's kind of what you remembered so why the third movie and I think that this trailer does a terrific job kind of showing how the choices that are made by all these different parties in the conflict are are resulting in this battle almost as an inevitable. Uh, result of, uh, of 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 their positions, and that makes me want to see what's going on and how this is going to end. And uh, the, Peter Jackson also has said that the battle, even though it's going to be big and it should be big with a title like that, is still going to be mostly character driven, as we speculated in previous episodes of this podcast, where you will constantly see. Um, the story going back to the main characters that have been established otherwise we wouldn't care you know there's all, there are only so many tens of thousands of orcs that you can take in and it's something that you marvel at as in the images that we see in this trailer but then you still want to see some recognizable faces and people you can relate to and the, the two previous movies have, have I think done a terrific job establishing these characters that we care about not just the ones that we know from the book but also the ones that have been added or have been enhanced let's Let's go to the first uh, few images of this trailer. Uh, we see, of course, the, the Erebor, the inside of Erebor, the big treasure. And there seems to be a separation between the dwarves and Bilbo on the one hand. And then, of course, their big leader, Thorin, standing alone. And, be, and, and you see the conflict and we know, actually, the disease taking over. Mm. <laughs> it's, uh, it's so, in fact, this first shot of the trailer, you see a visual distinction that wasn't present in either of the previous Hobbit films or their trailers, and you'll see a kind of highlighted green glow in the background. Mm -hmm. And you'll see, even like when you see like this December, the lettering and kind of the background is of this color scheme, where it's kind of that, that sense of sickly dark, green. sickly, greedy green. Indeed. It's not no that. longer the sparkling, you know, glimmering, warm color of the gold. This is, this is sick, literally. Yes. I, I love too how you mentioned that they're separated, but if you look at Thorin as well, his head and shoulders are just bowed over like he has the weight of the world on him right yes. now. Yes. It's the weight of his, you know, kingship and the mantle that he's carrying, perhaps even the crown that is crushing him. And uh, there are a couple of scenes in this trailer that, of course, harken back to his grandfather, right? who suffered the same disease, and he's seen all that happening, and yet he falls in the same trap. There's something really tragic in, in, in his character. Well, and something that's so poetic about even that story from the book that I'm so glad is, is, is present here as well. Mm -hmm. Bilbo, of course, uh, it, thankfully introduced right away in this trailer, reminding, he's kind of the conscience, the Jiminy Cricket almost of this <laughs> of this, uh, this movie, reminding Thorin that he made a promise to the people in, um, uh, not in Dale, but in uh, Lake Town, that, you know, once the dragon was slayed, the, 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 there would just be gold and riches and, 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 and all sorts of good things coming from the mountain. And it seems that Thorin is breaking his promise here. 
I will have war. <laughs> yes. And greed. And and what I like about the scenes, and we still have to see the final performance, but you see that there is both a determination or almost a rage inside of him, and at the same time there's doubt. There is kind of almost guilt in his eyes, like, am I yeah. truly doing this? And yeah. so, so the the moral responsibility it's almost like yes, there there has been there is greed, there are some very bad choices on his part, and on the other on the, there's also the old Thorin that is still there. That it, that that knows that you know he's actually not doing what he's supposed to do, and I like that. I, just in, the, in these few few glimpses, you can already tell that this is going to be a, a pretty terrific uh, performance. I think of the uh, of of the actor. Yeah, Lake Town burning, no. <laughs> and the not old- just a bit. This the entire town is completely on fire. In yes. fact, it's like the only few glimpses we get of Lake Town throughout the whole trailer or even any sense of the dragon, which yeah. is interesting because I think he's, Smaug is almost, um, what, what, what's the phrase, like... like uh, He's sort of relegated to... Noticed, I guess, noticed by his absence. I'm trying to think yeah. of the, yeah. there's a, the common phrase, but yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, it's noticed by the absence from Smaug in the marketing of this film because he is going to be in the first act. Um, yes. But they're kind of... Um, you were, you know, all you saw was dragons all, all of last year in the marketing of the second film. So it's going to be interesting to to see the way I think that they're going to really quickly move past that part of the story. I think it totally makes sense. Uh, it, it, this is a thematic approach. Uh, the yeah. first one was was about all about Bilbo and going on his adventure. It was about the the company of the dwarves and Gandalf, and the the middle one's all about the dragon and the mountain. And this one has to be about war. And so this is just the event that will kick off the division because of course we see then uh bart the bowman and he's looking at all that devastation he might be actually looking at schmaug schmaug at the same time um and he is one of the people that will have a grudge against thorin's like you were telling us that everything was going to be okay and it's not and what are you doing now um it's interesting that he's he seems to be in a in a wooden tower and if you if you if you look closely, you see that his bow is actually behind him on the floor, and it's still a bit of an enigma. And there's a lot of speculation online as to how he will ultimately kill Schmauk. Is it going to be with his own bow? Is he going to climb into that one tower with the big, you know, launching construction that's in there? What do you all think? Is he going to do this manually? Uh, they've done way too much setup on on the on the black arrow. Yes, uh, as the orcs say on 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 that too. I think not use it. I think that will be the storytelling point, and that's one of the things where Peter Jackson sometimes you, he's he's probably my favorite uh, filmmaker currently working. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and until oh Christmas next year, and then it might be J.J. Abrams. But <laughs> but he he is so good. But there there are a few times that I think he does like the he has a little bit of a. What's the word? I, I guess he can't resist sometimes mm-hmm. to really take the Hollywood spin. And I think mm-hmm. that just the fact that Bard is a amazing archer who is able to hit the dragon in his one weak spot, how he kind of spruced up the story, but like, no, we're going to have like this giant tower and this giant steel arrow that will be pulled, um, you know, and it would make a great Lego set. <laughs> yes, I, I think he's kind of going for that for that feel. I, I think that that would be the case because we've already seen Bard's bravery and his innovation in how he uh, manages things, and I think 
I mean, he never he has not trusted Thorin or the dwarves from the beginning. So I, I do think that he will not only hold a grudge, but not understand why anyone could have trusted them to begin with. Yeah. The the, the Black Arrow, from what we know, is pretty big. So I, I just keep wondering if 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 he's just going to use his own bow like we see in the imagery uh, that we're familiar with. Well, wait uh, a second. Like, this just occurred to me. Wouldn't it be an interesting twist? See, then suddenly I would have new respect for Peter mm-hmm. Jack if he did like this building up, building up, and then suddenly say in, in a climatic moment, like Smaug destroys the launching mechanism and he has uh, to use his own bow. Yeah. I mean, that would be... But I wonder if it's even physically possible, just seeing how big that that arrow is. Um, I don't know. He is really clever, so you wonder if he will try to ensure the destruction of the one thing that could possibly kill him. On the other hand, he's so arrogant, you almost wonder if he'd want to admit it to himself. <laughs> I like that they keep it a surprise for us. To, to, to They're not revealing how exactly Schmau gets killed. What we do know is that Bart clearly has a bigger role than in the book, um, and that is... I think, uh, shown in the next scene where we see him apparently talking to Thorin, that's what I assume, and he's, he's actually using a, one of the holes, the, the triangular, or what is it, the, 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 the no, it's actually a square hole um, in what I assume is the defense wall around the mountain, and, and he's like, uh, you, you brought ruin and death upon my people. And I think that's that's leading to uh, up to the the confrontation between you know the dwarves versus the 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 humans, and then you've got the elves and you've got the orcs, and you're just building it up here. And I I, I kind of like visually, almost like symbolically, the way this is portrayed. That if Thorin is on the other side of the wall, then he's truly, literally Im- imprisoned in the mountain, and he might have all the riches in the world. But he's losing his soul right here, which is, I think is a very nice kind of biblical undertone here. You know, so, what good is it to, to win the world if, if, if you lose your soul in the process? I even remember in the book how that was a big factor. We're like, well, we don't actually have food. We have all this gold, but we can't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, let's see what's, what's next um, in the trailer. I'm trying to br- bring up the, uh, the uh, frame-by-frame pictures, but I'm having a problem here with my internet. So you got to help me out here. So like next, like right after the the shot where we're talking, you know, you kind of see Thorin being suspicious, and then that shot of of Bard actually really, trying to connect with he him. He looks despairing there again, which, which is I think the kind of thing. Yeah. But then next, you kind of do see a shot inside Erebor, and mm-hmm. you just have, and it's kind of in ruins. You can see, and again, you kind of see that greedy green uh, sense. But the next shot, and I think that we want to talk about, is just the giant statues of the dwarves of old that are kind of part of the wall defense structure at Erebor just collapsing. Yes. I assume this is, uh, this is trying to uh, block the entrance, right? I, I think so, because you don't really see any signs of like an assault of any kind mm-hmm. or smog or anything. It looks like something that they're actually using. And, but it's also highly symbolic. All these big dwarven statues crumbling down. It's the premise of what will happen to the dwarves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... and Man, I'm, I'm, I, and as I look at the trailer, like the next shot is you just see the kind of beginnings of war. Mm-hmm. And you see how, Thor, well, I guess in this particular instance, you see Thorne looking across to Dale and it's just in ruins. Yeah. And if you, it, I missed that the first time I watched the trailer, but you really do kind of see a stark version of 
what the consequences of Thorin's decisions are. And it's very obvious that he's not willing to accept them. Mm-hmm. From Bard's perspective, Thorin was like, yeah, we're going to promise you riches, gold, and you know, <laughs> the land of milk and honey. And instead, uh, the dragon came and destroyed Dale. So you can see in the subsequent shot where Bard's hanging out with uh, Thranduil. Oh, the oh, elk! That. The war elk! <laughs> Moose, as I would call it. <laughs> Uh, you could see why he would side with them, right? Because it, it's a pretty easy decision if you're barred. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. He's lost everything. And so the, the, the elves are the only ones that can truly help him. And I'm, I'm even inclined to think that perhaps Bard is still thinking that, you know, Thorin just needs to be stopped, that, 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 that it's for his own good that they're fighting back. Whereas I'm not so sure about the intentions of Thranduil. The way in which he says, I'm coming to claim what is mine, it kind of sounds like the greedy Thranduil from the book. <laughs> yes, it does. And that's, in fact, no more kind of regal, austere, uh, we will protect the lands of Middle-earth. And it's like, <laughs> I've come to reclaim something which is mine. It's like, precious. <laughs> heard that before somewhere. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a precious followed up in there somewhere that helped me a bit scared, but that it it seems like the the gold is casting its greedy spell on um, mm-hmm. more than just Thorin here. Well, of course, it's the, the Arkenstone is kind of a, a almost a, a predecessor of the Ring in terms of its you know enchanting power and 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 the seduction. Um, and then, of course, there is something even deeper luring in the background. This is part of a master plan, as we hear later on in this trailer. And so, the Arkenstone, the ring, it's kind of all leading back to that source of all evil, Sauron, who just uses all these things to uh, to to basically get people distracted from <laughs> and then he will he will rule uh, because all the other peoples in middle earth are fighting over possession and power yeah well I, which brings me to a question that i've been wanting to ask both of you it seems in this trailer and in the two films we've had so far that that is shown a lot more clearly than it is in the book in the book you get this sense that there are things going on there are things in Middle Earth that are driving this. And you do eventually learn about Sauron's role and everything. But in the films, I think it's been showing more clearly, yes, Sauron does have a direct role in these events. Oh, absolutely. I think this is this is like the prequels in Star Wars, you know, we, with all the all that you already know, you kind of reconstruct the past and that that's how Peter Jackson approached these movies. It's like we we know from the events in The Lord of the Rings what has to have been going on at the time of the Hobbit. And even Tolkien, of course, later uh, in in when when rewriting The Hobbit and developing the backstory was inserting all these elements and I think that Peter Jackson just took off where where Tolkien left things and and just went even even beyond that yeah well and i i have to admit i do prefer the pre-special edition hobbit Uh, (laughs) 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 no that is a good point because it is i mean and we've talked about it before but thematically i think the hobbit book it does become more clear in the last few chapters especially as as thorin kind of falls to his his greed and baser instincts I i think the potential was always there it just was waiting to be developed. But the yeah. themes, the big themes that we see in The Lord of the Rings all are are already there in The Hobbit. That's why it's not just a children's book. 
There, there are traces that are later on developed, and there's just so much in The Hobbit that is thematically connected to the things that later on are developed in The Lord of the Rings. That it, For me, that is also why I can't accept it that Peter Jackson does all these references between those two trilogies. And he's constantly like, oh, you see this, 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 and he almost points at it deliberately. This is exactly what happens later on in The Lord of the Rings. Also very similar to what George Lucas used to do with the, the prequels and the, and the, the existing trilogies, constantly creating these, these bridges between the two stories. Yeah, absolutely. What did you all think of the, of the huge, huge elven armies? I know, I was looking at it and they're, it reminds they're me. They're intimidating. Oh, I, I thought it was like, this is so awesome. This is, reminds me so much of, the, of what, what was great in the second and third um, uh, Lord of the Rings movies. Just the epic scale of this and the, the strength of these elves. Unbelievable. Now, in the trailer, you might also notice that a lot of these elves still have identical faces. Almost like clones from <laughs> some Star Wars prequel. And I think that this is something that uh, I've heard from the people that are directly involved in the production of the movie. What you see in the trailer and even what you're going to see in theaters is not the final product. The final product is going to be the Blu-ray. And then uh, more specifically, the, the, the extended edition Blu-ray. That's when the work stops. And in the meantime, they're taking shortcuts. They're trying to just get it out there. And from what I've read, uh, there's been another recent interview with Peter Jackson. He's only sleeping two or three hours a, a day now. Oh. He's, he's working for 22 hours a day to get this movie finished. And it's not just Peter Jackson. It's all Weta. Everybody is now working almost day and night to get this finished. And so a lot of the things in the theatrical version will still be kind of unfinished. And to us, I think it will look great. But in the details and when you go freeze frame, you, you notice these things. Like, oh, that still looks a little bit CGI and uh, that kind of looks uh, uh, unfinished. Well, it, 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 it'll get better. They'll get there, but you'll have to wait for the Blu-ray. Yeah, and it's one of those things where I know the um, the Desolation of Smaug extended edition was just released in the last couple of weeks. Um, I have yet to pick it up. But Me I, too. But I'll tell you what I have done is I've uh, watched all of the um, extended edition scenes that they put up on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And man, like, I, I mean, I guess that's not this podcast, but like between the, there's an, the entire, I don't know if you're familiar, Father, um, and I was going to say spoiler alert, but all of this is pretty much straight from the books. There's a whole sequence with uh, Gandalf interacting with Thror. Mm. It's basically a kind of slightly alternate slash extended version of Gandalf's imprisonment uh, at, uh, you know, in the forest prison. <sighs> so they just added that. I was already wondering, are we going to see this or not? What? Out of the film, Thror was there the whole time, in mm -hmm. fact, kind of guiding Gandalf to find the necromancer. Right. And he was imprisoned there as, as he was in, in the appendices. And, and I was like, oh, that's so good. And then, of course, they did the sequence. They did the sequence with Bayorn, where it's like, <sighs> I, well, we have one or two more dwarves. He says, and our company is one or two a company. And he's like, well, in fact, we have two or three more. And they do the whole sequence. Oh, awesome. Now I got to have it. <laughs> <laughs> that that, that Sorry, is great. Stop the podcast right now. I'm logging into my Amazon. The king. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'll tell you what, then, I mean, all right, that's all right. I, I, I apologize for distracting. Like, on the trailer, this is one of my favorite moments. In fact, I'm just going to play the audio real quick right here. claims something of mine. A cumder claims something of mine. That's when you know 
Stuff's going down. Yes, this is not going to end well. And yeah. just the sheer amount of, of uh, uh, archers that is <laughs> aiming at the... And at the same time, it's kind of like, what are you going to do? Shoot at the, the, the rock? Shoot at the, the, the stone dwarves? <laughs> I, I, I think that Thranduil does have a bit of the theatrical edge to his, his personality for sure. But his intense look when he says that, you can just tell that he is... He is willing to do anything at this point to reclaim what it is that he wants. At the same time, it seems to me that the dwarves are still pretty isolated there. And it's just the dwarves that we know, which could also explain why we have that sequence at one point with the, um, the, the well, what is it, the card on the, on the ice? Oh, yeah. The river oh. scene. I guess yeah. that that is an attempt for them to, to actually get help from the other dwarves. You know, the, 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 at the beginning, they're just besieged and they, they have no way to go. They, have, they know nothing else to do but to completely block the entrance. So they're basically imprisoned. And now the dwarves have to somehow escape, get out and find help, which I think makes, again, it's, it's like these additions. It's, I don't remember this is in the book, but it just adds to the texture of how this battle is you know, growing and growing. And I, I don't know about the time frame of this battle, but it must have taken weeks, if not months. Yeah, no, it was a long, in the book, it was a long period of weeks. In fact, like there's a whole siege sequence while, while Thorin is trying to hold the fortress while he waits mm-hmm. for uh, Dane, the yeah. iron, you know, Dane Ironfoot. Oh, yeah. From Iron Hills, which is, by the way, I'm so, something that they've had some concept art out about Dane. Mm-hmm. We still seen. We still have. Have we seen a picture of Dane? I don't think we've seen an official picture of Dane. I may be wrong though. I don't remember. So it's it's uh, it's clear that the um, the help from the <laughs> the, uh, the is, are they called the Iron Dwarfs or? <laughs> yes, yeah, like the the dwarves da- Dane Ironfoot from the Iron Hills. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of his race, but yes, no, there is a picture. See, I thought there was. I just. Uh, well, and it you, you can clearly see it later on in the images of the battle where they use all this, this the, the weapons, the, the dwarven yeah. weapons that clearly have to come from elsewhere than from uh, from the mountain. Yeah. What, what do you make of that shot of, of these armies? And I can't tell which armies that, uh, we're looking at. It's kind of like, almost like a, uh, entering an anthill. They're going inside a mountain. I'm not sure even if this is the mountain or... Any suggest any theories well, as to what we're looking at there? Yeah, that's. I mean, I'm not really sure. I don't know. With, go- the, with the glow that you see, you almost wonder if that. It's, I mean, it's definitely orcs, but I'm trying mm-hmm. to figure out what uh, what part. So, and I'll, in fact, I was going to mention this at the beginning of the episode, but where I kind of got the most detail on this trailer, Bethy and I this past weekend went and saw uh, Christopher Nolan's Interstellar film. Yes, great film. Kind of a mm-hmm. high. You know, high sci-fi-ish uh, bent, but but you know what comes before films? Trailers, and so they played the this this trailer, and which is funny because at the time that was only like a day or two after it was released online. So oh, I was cool! Like, please have it, please have it, and they did. <laughs> and man, I'll tell you what, like watching it on YouTube, even in HD on my laptop screen, which is a, you know a decent quality, it's nothing like the quality in the theater, and you see it so much more clearly. And I remember this shot in particular thinking, where are they going? Where is this location? And I, to be honest, I have no idea. I'm thinking it, it doesn't look like uh, Erebor. 
Um, well, and, and, and of course, there, we haven't seen any entrances. That was the big thing about Erebor is like you can't get in, at least not easily. You have to know the secret entrance. And so I'm thinking, could this be linked somehow to another battle of smaller scale that we know have to, has to happen? And that is the attack on Dol Guldur, um, which will involve, of course, the, the council. But is this, I don't know, are... Could, could it be related to that? The, the darkness of that mountain, it's almost as if it's completely burnt. Well, yeah. I think the see, next... You can see the three entrances that they're going into, and there is something glowing inside of them. So whether it's it's fire, perhaps, or... I, it, yeah, I'm sure it has something to do with Dol Guldur. And, and it's, I think the next shot might betray a little bit where we see... Uh, Legolas and Tariel uh, with the the bats flying over, and it's obviously the same type of terrain. I yes, think. Yes. Yes. Uh, so I wonder. It's uh, I. I guess we will find out, but it's going to be interesting to see where they come from. But in that whole sequence, when you see the bats, you do see some kind of fortress. So I wonder if this is Dol Guldur or um, a part of it. Perhaps I'm not sure. I have a hard time identifying it. It's a, it's a kind of a almost looks like a metal structure, um, something that we've never seen before. It's all rusty and. Um, yeah, uh, the see, bats, I think, the fact that they mention that these bats have been engineered in a way, that that is, I'm thinking Saruman. That is the, typically the, the type of stuff that Saruman would do. That's, yes. that's true. And, you know, that's, I guess that's who we see. And, and after alert. that, we do go directly to seeing uh, Galadriel and Elrond and Gandalf all at Dol yes. Guldur. So, yeah. It and the does. color scheme's definitely different, so I think it is a separate location. Mm-hmm. It, it's a dramatic scene that we see there with uh, um, clearly Gandalf having been hit pretty badly. Galadriel's there, so and, and in person, it's not just a dream. And then this thing that, when I stopped the, the video or paused it, it was like, oh, those are the ring rates. But they look like the... The skeleton kings, like what what Bilbo would see if he p- would put on the ring, it yeah. looks absolutely terrifying. And there, there's there's a statue there of I don't know who that is. Could even be uh, the necromancer or something like that, holding uh, what looks like a palantir. But this is this is and and then having Gandalf, you know, knocked down. You see the threat of these ring wraiths, and Galadriel there is all like she doesn't even care about those ring wraiths. That's that's quite epic. <laughs> I yeah. wonder how yeah. that will play out. I have to say that if you look at the next shot, you know, Gladriel's kind of gently uh, caressing Gandalf, and I assume maybe trying to to care for him and bring him back to to try to, to waken him up. Maybe um, I guess so. You'll yes. see right in the background, popping across the back to the right, is uh, is our old pal Saruman, Christopher Lee. Yes, and Elrond in battle mode. I was like, yes, he's back. Elrond draw his sword was quite epic. I, I, I love do. that. And yes. apparently there's going to be a fight between Elrond and the Ringwraiths, which is pretty cool as well. It's kind of funny. If you look at the shot at, at one minute, one second, and one minute, two seconds, where, uh, you, where you see Saruman in the background, it's almost like he's trying to skip out of frame so you don't notice him. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, he's like quickly running away. Oh, I'm not supposed to be... It's not supposed to be my scene right now. But Elrond looks fantastic. Uh, I also really like that we see Saruman again. Yes. Um, just considering how much they did with that one session in London. This wasn't this wasn't filmed in, in New Zealand. They filmed it all with green screen. And then they, they used that in all these movies. 
and it's flawless. It's it's really, really, really great. That was probably the greatest surprise to me was hearing Leave Sauron to me in the trailer. <laughs> what it's it, yes. Yes. What what it seems like to me, what will happen is it looks like Galadriel is either trying to uh, you know, keep Gandalf from dying or wake him up or protect him, while Elrond will probably at least hold off the ring wraiths. Mm-hmm. And while yeah. Saruman then goes face goes to face off with Sauron. And that uh, that sounds like a pretty epic battle there. Well, of course, it's kind of suspicious that um, Saruman is like, I'll deal with Sauron. But, of course, they're just having tea, planning their evil schemes, perhaps, at this point. <laughs> it's, yeah. there is, the ambiguity is clearly there with Saruman. You, you can't trust him. On the other hand, you still wonder, is he already completely on, Sar- uh, on Sauron's side? Or is that a development that happens later? Yeah, that that was what I was wondering. Like, will we see this is when Saruman kind of starts to fall? Perhaps there might actually be a, a... That would be even more epic if we see what will drive him towards Sauron. Perhaps he realizes that he can't win from the Necromancer and he strikes a deal or something like that. There are all sorts of ways in which you can expand this mysterious sequence in Dol Guldur. And... I love the the juxtaposition of the the eye of Sauron that we're so familiar with. And this follows immediately the shot of of Saruman. Um, And then you get this two-second glimpse of the necromancer standing on what looks like one of the runes of, of Dol Guldur. And he's this flaming figure. And of course, it kind of evokes that eye. But this time, it's it's not yet the fully realized eye. It's just this this flaming, devilish satanic force of evil. I just love the way they 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 portray him here. And and of course, this is all uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as well. So we might, since this is a human form, we might see a little bit more of his acting also than the few glimpses that we've seen so far. Yeah, yeah. It, sure. It's, I don't know. Sauron is just kind of scary, which I guess is the most obvious yeah. statement I can make during this podcast, but <laughs> the threat that you feel from that and the fact that Gandalf, Elrond, Galadriel, and Saruman, some of the most powerful people in Middle-earth, are all hugely under threat here. And we've all always kind of speculated since the beginning of this podcast, which is already years ago, it's kind of hard to imagine how how quickly time goes by uh we were wondering about this attack on dol guldur will it be just the the council will it be bigger than that will they will they take armies with them to face the necromancer or not and and when is this taking place what is what is the time frame compared to what's happening near erebor and 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 the 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 you know growing tension between all those different races in in middle earth that to me is still a little bit fuzzy because it's not this is really a small it's just mentioned in the book but it's not expanded upon and i don't think that that there um that tolkien really told us very much about this confrontation so that of course gives peter jackson uh free reign to come up with all sorts of you know new depths to this mythology oh yeah one thing i'm wondering is we see Gandalf has I mean obviously lost at least you're, you're breaking up a little bit uh, Bethany I think that Saruman is uh, up to something here <laughs> oh. 
I might actually uh, just call you back here on Skype for a second as I talk about the next scene. And hopefully that will restore the quality of the call. It's sometimes a little bit. We're, we're basically doing this podcast between continents. There is an Atlantic Ocean between <laughs> these the what participants. To? Oh, you're back. But it's still breaking up a little bit. According to um, uh, to Skype, there seems to be a temporary hiccup in the bandwidth, at least. Um, well, I'll tell you what. Right back in just a moment. Then. Yes, that let me do that. And in the meantime, I'll just continue the analysis of the trailer. What I like is that um, we go from the big reveal of the this flaming persona or the the incarnation of uh, I'm not even sure if it's an incarnation, uh, but it is the the flaming presence of of uh, Sauron or the necromancer. Uh, we go to. Back to to the Hobbit, to Bilbo, very simply. And this is the sequence where Bilbo is... Oh, we have an incoming call. Let's see if this is any better. Hi. See if it comes through now. Uh, it's, not, it's not yet perfect, but we'll just give it a try. I was just telling uh, our, our listeners that we see the escape of Bilbo. He's, he's getting out of the mountain. And I'm, I'm glad they left this in and they do show us how lonely Bilbo is because he seems to be kind of caught in the middle of all these big armies and, and vengeful dwarves and, and, and there is Bilbo. And what's, what is he going to do? I love that they give him this special place in the middle of all this, this violence and all this tension. Yeah, it's interesting because I didn't mention this at the beginning of the trailer, but Bilbo is barely seen yes. in the trailer. When he is, I, th- I think, inst- un- kind of unlike the book, which is kind of told from his perspective, his role in the Battle of the Five Armies will be kind of a, a reconnecting point. Yeah. Um, sort of like the Still breaking up have. a little bit too much, uh, Riley. It's pretty hard to understand what you're saying. So I don't know how to solve this right now. Why don't you see if you can fix the bandwidth problems a little bit, and I'll, uh, I'll just continue the analysis just to... Uh, just move move us forward a little bit. Uh, so from from Bilbo uh, escaping, and there is even more uh, something symbolically in the background where everything is destroyed already, and you see the the remains of these big uh, statues of the dwarves lying there. So Bilbo is also confronted with the devastation of of Thorin's decisions, and even the dwarves themselves seem to be conflicted about this, and they are taking Thorin to, to task and you know, like, why are you doing this? And um, it's going to be interesting to see how that relationship will, um, will, will resolve itself and, and why the dwarves will actually ultimately side with Thorin. Could be that moment that we see in this trailer where uh, uh, Thorin is asking them, will you, stand, will you, you know, stand at my side one last time? Um, and then the dwarves are still dwarves, right? How can they abandon their leader, even though they see that their leader is not not the same Thorin anymore as he used to be? Um, I think this is going to be very, very tragic and heart-wrenching to see this, that the dwarves are actually also caught in the middle. What are they going to do? They cannot just surrender what they did. They just conquered the mountain, and they have no choice but to side with Thorin. And, uh, but at the same time, the, everybody, everybody is going to... Uh, Pay the price for that. Then we see the elves again shooting, um, and uh, clearly the elven armies have grown in size even more. This is really spectacular. Uh, there's so many 
elven army standing there at the gate of of uh, of the mountain that it almost looks like it's like a pattern um it, it, it's 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 you see that they they have um a strategy that that kind of evokes what the romans did when they were besieging you know big big structures let's try again and see if this uh, connection works now hi riley all right take three take three are we coming through mm, kind of <laughs> We're on a we're on a cell line now, but it should be more reliable, but not quite as good of a quality. So let me know how we're uh, how we're sounding. It seems to be a little bit more stable. I was telling the audience that we we uh, get that view of um, these big elven armies in front of the mountain, and it looks like they've been reinforced even more, and they kind of evoke the uh, um, attack strategies of the Roman armies. You know, they all have these these quadrants, and everything seems to be um, very very well organized. Um, and then, of course, they just use their bow and arrow to to attack. They don't seem to have a choice. <laughs> they don't have any big trolls or anything. Um, and then we go back to some shots of Bilbo and Gandalf, and then we get this awesome, awesome shot of these, what is it, trolls? Mountain trolls uh, uh, walking over a, a cliff? Oh yes, that was that was a great moment, especially on the big screen where you really you're like okay, it's not just kind of five armies and that okay, there's a bunch of elves with with these spears and bows, and then also a bunch of dwarves in kind of like a boring fashion. I, this is really where you see the flavor of Peter Jackson using his full imagination with all the different creatures of Middle Earth, all in conflict, and that was pretty cool. In, in a way, this this sequence reminded me of the first time in the third Lord of the Rings movie when we see the elephants. You know, the, oh yeah, and there's like, oh wow, that looks so awesome. And this is this was a similar moment, like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe how awesome this looks. And they seem was- to, they seem to carry these slingshots on their backs to throw stones basically at the mountain. We then switch back to um, a scene, and I think the sequence is from much earlier in the movie, where we see the refugees from uh, from Lake Town, and uh, they've been able to reach the, um, the 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 borders of the lake. And I think what follows is was something we saw in the teaser trailer, where they will actually travel together to Dale to find refuge. That's kind of how I understand the scene. In fact, you can see a um, uh, a, a gallant rider on a white horse coming through that shot. I'm not sure yeah. that, who that is. I was actually just pointing that out to Riley. It looks like there are two people on the horse in the center of the screen, but I, I can't tell quite. Hmm. We know that Legolas is, is there with the Toriel. That's true. It's, it, may be, it may be those two before they take off to wherever that rusty fortress was. Mm-hmm. Like a nice, shiny, white horse like that seems to be kind of elvish to me. But it, yeah, it's 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 too too far in the distance to really see who that is. And then we switch back to Thorin, all alone in, in a very, um, well, a destroyed mountain. I mean, again, it's like the Lonely King. He's there. Yes, he has the mountain now, and yet it's all in ruins. Everything is literally falling apart around him, and he's utterly lonely. Because of his decisions, 
It's, yeah, and in fact, you can see uh, Achilles not too happy with him, evidently, in the next shot. <laughs> oh, yes, the, the dwarves are livid. It's like, what are you doing? And while you guys were uh, offline for a, for a second, I said that it's going to be so interesting to see how ultimately the dwarves, what will what will make them side with Thorin? And I think my, my guess is that they don't have a choice. What are you going to do, surrender and, and, and give up the mountain? And Thorin is their beloved leader and... So I, I I think that's that's Thorin is going to play the card of you know side with me or lose everything, and that's probably going to it's it's going to be this this impossible choice between a rock and a hard place literally. <laughs> yeah, there's there is not much trust between the dwarves and the elves, and I I think that would yeah. play into it as well. Well, it's interesting because and I've just put together a few pieces. Um, if that shot is indeed of Legolas and Tariel. Uh, who are with the refugees from Lake Town, mm-hmm. and basically we see Keeley back on the mountain. It uh, kind of begs the question: it's, It'll be interesting to see how they reunite the dwarves together, because that was one of the greatest conundrums for me when they separated the company in the second film. Yes, and from a storytelling perspective, one of the ones I kind of disagreed with. I didn't like that a- aspect of the film when they decided to separate um, the company. Well, I guess they just needed to add a, again a little bit more relief to the whole story and 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 giving Toriel something to do and she's probably going to heal uh what's his name the, the handsome dwarf <laughs> I think it's Keely and I may be wrong it might be Feely but it's either Feely or Keely and I all mix the two up <laughs> so well, uh, they might be instrumental in reuniting the the dwarves yeah but it's more than just a essentially a story plot for Toriel it shows what Thorin is willing to do He's willing to just leave some of the dwarves behind in order That's to true. pursue. That's true. Yeah. It's already the family kind of breaking up and falling apart because of the pursuit mm-hmm. of, of, of the mountain at first. Um, the next shot is intriguing because we get a very brief glimpse of, I think it's Bart, tumbling almost uh, off the roof of one of the bigger buildings. I think this is near the central square in uh, Lake Town. This is during the attack of um, uh, the dragon. And in his right hand, he actually has the black arrow. And in his left hand, he's holding his own personal bow. So this, again, must be this whole lead up to the moment that heroically he will slay the dragon. Um, but it's it's kind of cool to see the glimpse of the black arrow. And he's holding, you know what? Now, he, now that he's holding it, it actually looks kind of manageable. This, this is this is something he could probably fire with his own bow. bow. So mm-hmm. knows? Yeah. and it's interesting because it looks like at this point it's just Bard. I think it'll be him against the dragon by the time all of this is said and done. Hmm. I guess so. Yeah. The the entire city is, is destroyed anyway. And then we get that scene with Tariel. I love your sigh there, by the way. That was very telling. It's like, and then we get... <laughs> but it's so true. Sorry, I, I, go ahead. <laughs> no, it's, it, it, I, I have a hard time again figuring out where this is. Uh, the, I, I'll, I'll say it if you won't, Father. Well, I, and I think you'll agree with me, but it's just one of those things that in this whole sequence, it just feels out of place. Yes, <laughs> it does. And um, I mean, I guess that's all there is to say about that. I, I'm sure some people do like it. Uh, if you go on Tumblr, you'll find a lot of great uh, Tariel shipping with, with, you know, with Keeley. And there are people who do like that aspect of romance. Mm-hmm. But it's just, I think it's an odd kind of, not not even odd. It just kind of feels a little bit constructed, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as 
far as where it goes in the actual film, it might it might feel better as far as fitting with the plot because obviously they're at the edge of some sort of water source, and yes. I think maybe this is before uh, Keeley rejoins with the other dwarves. That you could know, be like a might, farewell. Yeah, yeah, it's a farewell, and he follows them across the water and to the mountain. But he seems to be still very weak, but but at the same time, you know, he's okay. He's not dying. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking, could this be in here deliberately to evoke the scene at the river, uh, what's the name again, with Frodo? And um, what's her name? The- oh, yes. No, yeah, you're thinking of, of um, Arwen. Frodo Arwen. Arwen, yeah. Yeah. Where he too is kind of like in the same position as uh, as Keeley here, and then of course there's this very noble lady like uh, elf Elven, <laughs> who's who's saving or protecting the weak, something like that. Feeling that that that, that there might be a like a, a visual parallel here. Gotta say, Father, if nothing else. Uh... Um, they have. They're definitely not trying to evoke Lord of the Rings at all. He said entirely <laughs> facetiously. Yes. Um, no, no. Like the first thing you like, some of the first block of text you'll see in this trailer is from the director of, of course, the Lord of course. Rings trilogy. It doesn't say from the director of the Desolation of Smaug. It says the Lord of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> and, and and even in Desolation of Smaug, um, last year when we were watching the film, you have that sequence when she heals. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the same kind of lighting structure yep. behind her and, and, and that sort of thing. So I do think that there is a, a kind of parallel there for sure. Some people were upset about that and it's like, oh, come on, we know this. This is, yes, this is like the Lord of the Rings. Don't rub it in. But I'm thinking this is marketing as well. Again, you have to kind of repeat that message. If you love the Lord of the Rings, you do want to go watch this movie. And, uh, you know, the, the, the previous two Hobbit movies weren't, I mean, they were a, a box office success, definitely, but critically... Um, you know, a lot of people were kind of, especially for the second movie, like, hmm, not sure. And I think the skepticism towards the third movie might be even a little bit bigger. Like, ah, oh, it's just, is, is Peter Jackson jumping the shark with, you know, this big battle and, you know, he's, he's really stretching the book. And I'll touch on that since I guess we're getting towards the end of the, the, the trailer and mm-hmm. the podcast. But I do want to... I think there is kind of a vocal minority, or at least in my opinion, a vocal minority of kind of the geek community online that it's kind of, it's, it's an easy target to poke fun of Peter Jackson for making three films out of one book. You know, that's, that's the punchline of a lot of jokes. If you see, you know, when Billy Connolly was on Conan, you know, mm-hmm. the, uh, of course, the comedian playing Dane uh, Ironfoot, um, you know, they, he kind of teased about the fact that, you know, they're making three films out of it. And it is kind of an easy, easy swipe to take. But I critically and box office wise, that's kind of where to I think support that argument that the Hobbit movies are just kind of filler and and, and, and just okay and not as good as the Lord of the Rings, which I disagree with. No, I disagree um, too. Actually, uh, I, I feel that these movies have even more variety, at least in the storytelling, than Lord of the Rings. Where I was well, getting I, I was getting battle tired in in the third movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think to help construct that, I mean, each of the Hobbit films uh, subsequently got better reviewed and better box office. Both of them nearly crossed the billion-dollar mark global box office, and that's very comparable, if not more, than most of the Marvel films. So, like, here in the States, which is kind of where the online media devours them, they are – they're kind of – they're – 
pillar box office films, but they're not like the box office of the year. It's not like Avengers, mm-hmm. but still, I mean, you're you're gonna do two, three hundred million here, and I and I know I'm kind of geeking out on the finances of it all, but as far as the the global audience for these films. And even like if you look at the Rotten Tomato scores critically, the Desolation of, the Desolation of Smaug did much better mm-hmm. um, uh, from a review standpoint anyway. Well, I think just emotionally this movie will I, do all the right things. I'm, I'm convinced. And, and, and we know that it ends in the Shire, so we go back to that familiar feeling. Uh, that That's stuff that we don't see in this in this trailer, uh, but it, I think it will have its effect in the final in the final movie. Um, from the from the uh, engineered bats, we go to another kind of intriguing scene where we see Thranduil, and he seems to be very angry. And in the foreground, I think that's Tariel, but I'm not certain. Is oh, he it is. mad? I'm, I'm that very, it's got to be. And it's snowing, so this is probably in Dale. I I assume. Could be part of the scenes that we saw in the teaser trailer where he's walking in the snow and he seems to be completely, you know, uh, en- enraged. I-, I still think that he assumes that something happened to his son and that Toriel is to blame. And now he's 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 mad at Toriel. I just hope that he's not going to kill her. <laughs> oh, yeah. ah, stop what? it. Stop. I don't know. That would be horrible. <laughs> that... That would be horrible. I'll never forget oh, this, sitting wow. here about a year ago, talking to you, Father, where mm-hmm. you said, I wonder, they probably, I, I imagine that she'll die in the Battle of the Five Armies, and I just, like, my brain just kind of froze for a second, because everything <laughs> fell into place. Like, why wouldn't I think of that before? <laughs> and I'm coming towards that point. I hope now. to be proven yeah. wrong. I desperately hope to be proven wrong, <laughs> but I, I you never know. As well, and I, I hadn't actually thought of that. that. That's horrible, but at the same time, uh, there is, there's always been something about Thranduil that is just not trustworthy, and that's yeah. so cold about him. Well, how how cool would it be to show that it's not just a, not just Thorin who is blinded, it's also Thranduil, and mm-hmm. well, we know of course that Sauron is completely wacko, but <laughs> it's like everybody here yeah. that is partaking in this war is actually being corrupted in the process. And, and, and Thranduil, in, in the same way, is after the same thing as Thorin. So he, too, is affected by this. And what, 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 is, he, what is he willing to do in order to win um, and to you know, get his son back at his side or something like that? I, there, there's a lot, I think, of potential here for very dramatic moments during this battle. And, and if this is the way they're going to pace that battle, you know, switching between the big attack scenes and everything and the orcs and the special effects and then these moments where you're like <gasps> that's what I hope that I'll be on the edge of my seat for 15 minutes or I don't know how, how long this battle is going to take Yay, I think is what we think <laughs> <laughs> now we get some orcs is this uh, what's his name again the scarred uh, Azog Azog yeah and Azog of course is the the, the boss of the orc armies mm-hmm. um, and he seems to be even better rendered in in this third trailer than I saw him ever before. Oh, for sure. The first like movie, I thought he looked like rubber, rubber, a rubber puppet. Here, he looks <laughs> totally real. I thought he wasn't quite that bad, but yes, definitely <laughs> a marked improvement in the special effects with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I watched it. Uh, I watched The Hobbit with my brother-in-law and sister. At what point, uh, our older sister Cindy and we were. Um, he was very perturbed by he's like how on earth does he have like the metal spike through his arm without getting a terrible infection or <laughs> <laughs> they're orcs it is kind of side note how 
it's so popular in films these days, kind of taking a note from Lord of the Rings and, and Tolkien to always have like a title. So like in Guardians of the Galaxy, you have, you know, Drax the Destroyer and mm-hmm. Ronan the Accuser. And then here you have Azog the Defiler or <laughs> yes. Gandalf the Gray. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, it, it's good for the toy, the, the, the sales of the toys. <laughs> you need to, have to put something hey. on the boxes. <laughs> See, we need like Father Roderick, the podcaster, only that we need like something grand and epic. <laughs> the pot slayer. <laughs> yeah, yes. there we go. <clears throat> Back to the Hobbit. <laughs> I love that scene with the frozen waterfall. That looks absolutely fantastic. And I, I, I don't understand who the figure is that is standing there. Any ideas? There's a lone figure standing on an outcrop of a rock or something like that. Does it look like a dwarf? Do you guys? Kind of. Uh, if, it, if it's a dwarf, I would say it might be Thorin. Um, hmm. But I, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of too hard to guess from this, from, from this kind of brief moment. Would it be that cold that even waterfalls are freezing? That's, well, I don't know. Up maybe, in mountains, yes. Maybe it's the introductory shot to Dane, Ironfoot, like when we first see him. Perhaps hmm. that would be the case because he would be in the Iron Hills, which are north, perhaps. Hmm. I don't know. That's just kind of a stab in the dark, but... Uh, this could also be part of the, the the question that we had is how much time is all this going to take is this going to be weeks is it going to be months we know that there's a sequence with the frozen river and the escape from the mountain so this might be part of that same winter and we might actually see an entire part of the of the story taking place during that winter time when when the armies are are building up and gathering and that will give them actually now that i think of it that will give them the 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 time to switch back to Dol Guldur and show that whole story, because because building up these armies and gathering them around the mountain that will take weeks or months, and you still have to do something exciting. So that can be the time that that we see the whole, you know, emotional journey of Thorin and his and his sickness and the conflicts with the dwarves. On the one hand, we see what's happening at Dol Guldur with the the council. We might see also some glimpses of the, all these armies gathering and perhaps Saruman also being involved. And, and, and then when all that is told, then we get to the climactic battle when everything is ready and you know the, 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 the waterfall might be melting again. And again, I'm thinking it's not just visually stunning, but this too is highly symbolic. If this is truly Thorin, then I'm thinking ice... It's his heart. It's it's growing cold. It's frozen. The mist, he can't see clearly anymore. So stuff like this, it's genius. Then we Very get a, symbolic. Yeah. The timing though is a little odd for me because if this if this winter takes place in that way, I mean, how long is Gandalf staying sort of knocked out and defeated in Dol Guldor? I mean, wouldn't Sauron just kill him? Or or perhaps Sauron is using Gandalf trying to entrap Saruman and Elrond and Galadriel. There were some what? hints uh, in e- interviews that I've read that actually Galadriel will be on the verge of almost turning to the dark side to save to save the day. She is going to use similar, you know, whatever it is, magic power uh, as as a necromancer, and so so you see her strength, her incredible power, but also how close she walks. Uh, to the edge, which of course is also a theme that returns in the Lord of the Rings with the the mirror, 
where she is where Frodo is like you take the ring and she's like ah, no not a good idea and they might be setting that up here too I wonder if Sauron is trying to get people to join him by pushing them to that that edge of darkness together we can rule Middle Earth <laughs> <laughs> yes Gandalf I am your father <laughs> That might knock him out. No. Um, <laughs> let's go back to the battle. We see some, some you know, fighting between Azog and... Is that... I don't know who that is. Thorin or... Hmm, who could that be? Yeah, I guess it's Thorin versus Azog. Um, so, the, again, it's, um, it takes place in the snow. This might be one of the early attacks. I'm just kind of speculating here. Yeah, I think there is probably like a marked difference of time now that you're talking about it where we do kind of see a season pass mm-hmm. and, and the orcs finally attack in, in the dead of winter is what it looks like. Yeah. And then we get to my favorite part of the Middle-Earth legend. And I'm like, yes! Which is? It sent chills down my spine. And which part would that be? Oh, I, I, I apologize. Yeah, right at the beginning of the trailer. It's just right, right here when you hear, in fact, I'll just play the audio real quick. I was like, oh, it's so epic. <laughs> it's funny because it's not a shot. It's not an actual like character moment or anything. It's just like the text and the, cliche, the climax of music. And then it's yes. sold. I'm, yes. I'm in. We're getting some glimpses of um, uh, Lake Town burning in the distance. We see another shot of, of uh, Bart holding on to the Black Arrow. That's actually basically his crutch to stay, you know, to not fall off the roof. We see Toriel really in tears. Um... So again, I'm thinking, you know what? This, this is also there's snow in the background. This might be part of that whole dramatic confrontation between, between Toriel and uh, Thranduil, and perhaps Legolas is, is lying there almost dead, or who knows? Something must have happened that will completely destroy the relationship between Thranduil and, well, his son and and um, and Toriel. And then we have the moment of which is now going to be my morning alarm on alarm clock on my cell phone, and that is Gandalf asking me, "You have but one question to ask: <laughs> How will this day end?" And then that'll pump you up for your day. Yes. How will this day end? <laughs> well, asking it of a lot of fighting around that uh, iconic phrase because we see Toriel um, fighting. I think this is Bolg. And she's doing the Matrix type of fighting, <laughs> like uh, wall, uh, wall running and that sort of stuff. Very, very cool. All CGI, probably. Um, then we see also Legolas fighting Bolg. So, and this is all taking place near that frozen waterfall. So again, in terms of when is this taking place, I'm not so sure. But uh, it, it looks spectacular. Um and the trailer itself just goes back and forth in time. Then we see Lake Town even before it's destroyed. Then we go back to Azog and Thorin. Thorin, this is all kind of like showing us it's about fighting, 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 war, war, war. <laughs> um, the uh, uh, some some CGI creatures, some strange trolls or orcs or combinations thereof. Uh, the chariot makes an appearance again, and then we see the One Ring, where Bilbo puts it on his finger, brings it all home, and 
of course, that is all about, you know, the 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 menace of Sauron, you know, being bring being brought back to that one ring that is going to be so pivotal when it comes to, you know, making choices in the future. Why is he putting on the ring here? Is this be- to escape or I'm not I sure. would assume that it goes back to the part in the book where he he puts on the ring twice that mm-hmm. I recall in the very end, once to essentially escape the dwarves and yeah. side with the others in, in a way, and once in during the battle. And this shot almost looks like it's in the battle shot because the way he's yeah. huddled against a wall and the lighting that's around him. Uh, and this is right before he, he gets knocked out, right? Yeah, in the book. I, I, I'll be interested to see if... The, I'm not sure, like, from a filmmaking perspective, I'm not sure if they'd want to not come out for the whole battle, kind of like the book. Well, maybe maybe he will briefly. I think they can, because they've created so many other interesting characters that will uh, help us through this, throughout this battle that we can relate to, that you don't really need Bilbo in this part of the story. You need him at the beginning as the conscience of Thorin, um, and later on, of course, after the battle, but... um, I'm not sure if you need it. I, I think they're going to be pretty faithful uh, to the events that we see in the book. I don't think they will dare to anger the fans by completely, you know, changing the the events. They've been pretty faithful. They've been adding stuff, but they've when you look at the fundamental story plot elements, they've yeah. stayed pretty close to the book. I think really only two exceptions that is the separating of the company and the relationship with Tariel and Keeley, and those are really the only two like major deviations. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of this trailer and also the end of this uh, podcast. Uh, Again, we talk for an hour about a a trailer of 2 minutes and 33 seconds. Wait for it. Wait for our full analysis of the entire movie. (laughs) Oh, right. Take a a week off because that's probably what we're going to do. We will need the time. Yes, but what a, what a fitting end yes. to end with the ring and a hobbit. Yes, yes. It brings it back to the hobbit. And it's a, it's a very, very good trailer in terms of the, the, the way they do it, the, what, the goals that they have with this trailer, conveying the sense of the title, why we should see it. Um, I think it does a lot of things very, very well. And of course, it can't tell the entire story. That's why we have to see the movie. So <laughs> stay calm. Dear well, Tolkien friends, yeah, this is not we, it. This is just the beginning. Absolutely. And as we come to a close, I, I do want to say, speaking of seeing the movie, uh, here in the United States on the 15th, just to let the uh, Secrets of the Hobbit listeners know, Bethany and I will be going to a special screening of all three Hobbit films. Wow. It's early on a Monday. There, Some of the theater chains here in the States are doing an all-day event starting about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And they're just going to play all three in a row. So I think that'll be the way we first experience. Uh, <laughs> I, would, I couldn't do that. I, I fall asleep when I'm, when I'm in a long movie already. So I would need an alarm to wake me up every half hour. <laughs> I, well, I'll tell you what. I, I never thought I would like doing something like that. And then they did a special event uh, last year with Lord of the Rings. Uh-huh. And it was all three films. And I did it. It's the first time I've ever done a movie marathon at all. And just experiencing it's almost like like you would imagine sitting around a campfire and hearing operas of old of of these long form stories and really plays well but yes yes
So can't wait. Epic. Well, it's it's great that you can celebrate this third movie in an epic way. <laughs> That's what Bilbo would have wanted. <laughs> of course, we will be back with uh, new episodes as soon as there is more news to report on. And perhaps in the lead up to the premiere of the movie, we might come back. And there's definitely going to be some uh, there are going to be some more episodes. Notably, I already want to tease this, um, uh, Riley. You went to Dragon Con in Atlanta and recorded to part of a panel with a lot of the people involved in this uh, movie trilogy. And you've done this before, um, and we'll do it again, and that is the, the, the audio of that um, panel. We'll, we'll put the, this as a special episode, as an extra episode in the lineup of this show. It's like hearing uh, the Hobbits, Dory, well, Nori and Ori, and you want to also hear Pippin, Pettigrew, and Took all together on a panel. Uh, cracking each other up and telling stories from the set and having a good old time. Uh, tune in to a very soon forthcoming episode of Secrets of the Hobbit. I love it. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you enjoy the movie once it premieres just as much as we are hoping uh, that it will, that we will enjoy it. And uh, Bethany and Riley, thank you so much for uh, your insights in this trailer, and I can't wait to talk about the movie once we've seen it. Definitely. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun talking about the trailer. It was a pleasure, as always. SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.